It's episode 38. Welcome to the Pete Primo Show. And I have an exciting guest. Uh, and before I even introduce him, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to pay my bills. Thank you to sponsor number one, Sell a Million. If you haven't already bought this book and you own a furniture and a mattress store, you're missing the boat. As a matter of fact, take out the word furniture and mattress. It's a great marketing book for anybody in any business. And number two, Steve, are you on there? I don't know if Steve's on there, but I want to thank Steve and the entire uh, network at uh, Mattress Industry Network. It is a Facebook group that if you own a furniture or a mattress store, or you're in the mattress industry in any capacity, you really need to join this group. These guys help each other out. It's the only group that I know of that's actually run by retailers for the retailer's benefit. They help you to build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry. Join the Mattress Industry Network today. And without a further ado, Kurt, welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 38. Kurt Mercante is a expert on business. He has owned, well, he has started, owned, and sold businesses before. And he has um, seemingly mastered the art of intrigue because I call him the most interesting man on LinkedIn. And the reason I call him that, and I've kind of been dangling this and not really answering his questions about it, is because he's better at LinkedIn than the so-called LinkedIn experts. That's why. I, I, I see what you do on LinkedIn, Kurt, and it's very amazing to me. And we're here to talk about sales, branding, and building a freedom business. And one of the things that I've always encouraged my retailers to do is to build their business in a way that it doesn't become just a job that you have to go to every day. And uh, some of my best friends in the industry and most successful uh, business owners, Jeff Janakovo comes to mind that owns Gardner's Mattress and more with uh, Ben McClure. They actually have built a business that they can walk away from. It, it throws off income without them having to be there every day. And without a further to do, let me just welcome you to the show and ask you, how is Arizona? <laughs> well, Pete, thank you so much for the opportunity. I know we had a great chat a few weeks ago. I'm honored to be on the show. Um, you know, let me just first say in your, in your intro, you talk about that positive mindset. And it's so important. But one of the things, I have a boot camp, the Freedom Business Boot Camp. And one of the things we talk about is positivity is wonderful. But if you just want to make a, say, a change in your life, right? Maybe you're an entrepreneur who's built a prison instead of a business. Maybe you're someone who's wanted to build that business forever, but you can't do it. And you try the positivity. Positivity is great. But when you layer it on top of the crap, the programming, the negative programming, the scarcity programming that you had your entire life, it just ain't going to work. So one of the first things you have to do is clear out the crap, right? Bring yourself back to zero, get rid of the negative programming, the limiting beliefs. It's like, you know, if you have your favorite mug 
and it's filled with, with just like, you, you want to have a nice glass of refreshing water, right? But it's filled with tar or something like that, right? You got to clean out that cup first before you put back in that refreshing water. And it's like that with us as well. Um, so thank you for having me on. Arizona is wonderful. I'm, I'm after seven years in Charleston, I'm digging the dry heat. Uh, Northern Arizona is, is just a different animal. You know, we're at about 4,000, 4,500 feet here in Sedona. And, and it's just so interesting because it's like fifties in the morning and then it'll be 95 dry heat. But we went hiking yesterday, my wife and I, and it was hot. You're in the desert. But then at the tail end, you come across a little oasis, Oak Creek, which comes from the mountain springs and it's nice and cool. So I just, I just took off my clothes and jumped in the, <laughs> jumped in the Creek and, uh, and refreshing. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a cool area. So before we get started, I have to thank you. I was watching one of your videos and I said, when's the last time I took a walk? I said, it's been a while. I, I got to get out there and I got, when I don't have time, look, look at my schedule. And I said, do it now. So I, I did it now. And guess what? I feel a hundred percent. Stu, what do you got to say here? Look in the mirror and say, what am I doing with my life? If you don't own that book, Stu, thank you. God bless you. <laughs> Is there a question in there or you just wanted to help me get a few more book sales? And I appreciate that. Thank you, Stu. So thank you, Kurt for, you know, one of the things that I look for are voices who are fearless because I believe there's too much fear out there right now. I believe that fear clouds everybody's judgment. I believe that fear causes paralysis. I believe that uh, when you're inclined to be fearful, you need to refocus and a lot of that has to do with what you just mentioned before, and that's clearing out some of that old programming. So I'm going to share something with you. I've never shared this on the show before. So my mom used to say, money won't make you happy. Always. And I looked at my mom one day and I said, mom, I love you, but I have something to tell you. I've tried life without money and i and I've tried it with money and it's a lot better with money. So, <laughs> you know, mom, I believe that money makes you more of what you are. Um, when I started making a lot of money, I did not become a drug addict. I did not, you know, spend my money on drugs or anything bad. Guess what I did? I started helping more people. There are charities that are near and dear to my heart that I was able to participate in that I couldn't before when, when I didn't have the money. And so um, that's one of those old programs that really kind of hold people back because they think there's something wrong. You know, but listen, when I'm when I'm laying in my dorm room in college and I'm sweating because we didn't have air conditioning back in the late seventies and the early eighties at, at Baldwin Wallace college in Berea, Ohio. And I lay there sweating. I said, I don't know how, I don't know when or why. Well, I knew my why I knew that I wasn't going to sweat like a pig like this while I'm trying to go to sleep and a fan's not doing it for me. So I, I worked very hard to get an air conditioner. 
That was my that was my why back then. It's changed slightly, but I want you to dig in a little bit on um, how does somebody go about clearing out some of these old old things without. I don't want you to give away the farm, but I, I want you. I want my owners to walk away with like one thing that they could do today that's going to help them kind of clear out some of the cobwebs that. That Kurt, maybe they don't even know are there, mm, right? Yeah. Maybe maybe they're not aware. You know, if you heard your whole life, you know, money won't make you happy. And it's like, wow. Well, yeah, kind of. I was one of those people that was able to unwrap that and say that that's her hang up, and God bless her, great woman, love her. That was her hang up. Not my yeah. hang up. I, I got no hang up with that. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. You know, one of the most oft misquoted lines in the Bible, people will say, you know, money is the root of all evil. And it's actually that what it actually says, if you look at the, it's that, you know, basically the love of money, when you become obsessed with money and the, and the story you told about money kind of making you who you already are, I think of the first Captain America movie, the first Avenger, and they had this super serum, right? And the reason that this Dr. Erskine picked Steve Rogers, who was a little wimp, bully, got beat up, is because he sensed he had that heart. He had courage. He was fearless, but he was a good person. And what he explained was that the super serum made you more of who you already were. Later in the movie, Steve Rogers meets the Red Skull, right, who was a Nazi who took the super serum and it made him into this ugly Red Skull mess evil. And so, you know, there, there's two parts to this. The love of money, obsession with money. When you think money is the end-all, be-all, that can be dangerous. But when you look at money as it is, is a, um, uh, you know, it's a receipt for value given, right? And right now, money is how we exchange. In the old days, it was bartering. Who knows? Maybe here in the next five, <laughs> five years of inflation, we're going to have to go to the bartering economy. But you're right. It makes you more of who you are. I had money. I had a seven-figure agency. And almost four years ago, I woke up and shut it down at peak revenue because my money was making me more of who I already was. And at that point, I wasn't, in, I wasn't equipped to deal with it. I brought my revenue down to zero in the span of a day and learned to rebuild back up. Now, clearing out, there's a number of things you know, that, that we'd use to clear out. Uh, you know, in my Freedom Business Bootcamp, one thing that we talk about is right now, think about where you want to go. Write down all your negative and limiting beliefs. Like, don't overthink it. Just write down what comes to mind, you know? And, and some of that might be, you know, if you're 45 years old and you watch like Shark Tank and you find yourself saying, and I have relatives who do this, oh, those fat cats, they have enough money. They, they don't need any more. You know, it's like Richard Branson, who, who gives of his money, you know, Damon John, who grew up poor, right? But if you're 40, 45, 35, 50, and you find yourself saying that, likely your parents were saying that, right? So that programming. So write down those negative and limiting beliefs. And then say, you know, what I have them do is write down, what would you do? And again, don't overthink it. Like write it down right now. If you knew you could not fail, what would you do? What would you do if you took away those ne negative beliefs? You know, if you if you put a safety net underneath, what would you do? How would your business be different? How would your how would your relationships be different? How would your self care be different? 
And then look at how you can clear those negative. Now, there's a number of things we do. Uh, I urge your listeners, uh, Google, and have an open mind when you look at this. Some of it seems a little woo-woo. Look up something called emotional freedom technique. It's incredible. It's what I use every day when I have some anxiety, things are worrying me. Uh, I use emotional freedom technique. There's actually an old Hawaiian practice called Ho'oponopono. It's kind of an affirmation to clear out and get you back to zero. Again, have an open mind. This is stuff that three, four, five years ago, I would have said, oh, you're crazy, that metaphysical crap. But you know what? It works. And there's so much in our society right now that has to be, it's like Missouri, right? The show me state, right? Health comes at the bottom of a pill bottle, right? And anything else, oh my gosh, that meditation, that breathing technique, that getting up and going for a walk, that's crap. That's just a conspiracy theory. You know, like you said, get up and go for a walk. I know people who are so angry at other people right now for their lifestyle uh, habits because they feel like they're putting them at risk. And those same people can't get up and go for a walk. Those same people have lifestyle factors that are putting them at risk. But guess what? It's easier to blame it on everyone else. And again, you could put this in the context of COVID. You could put this in the context. I, 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 there's a guy on LinkedIn I go back and forth with, and we hadn't communicated in a while. He messaged me and said he had a widowmaker in April. He said it was the best thing that ever happened to him because it was in my book. I talk about infrastructure rattling events. It caused him to make a sharp change. But why? Why do we need those infrastructure rattling events to scare the hell out of us, to force us to change? Even over the last two years, if you haven't looked at the data and realized, if you have lifestyle factors that... People are going to get mad. People are going to cancel me. That's fine. I grew up fat. I grew up getting bullied. I got the, the crap beat out of me for being fat. Guess what? It was my fault. I took radical responsibility. So over the last two years, if you're like, you know, we're entering COVID phase eight, right? If you're mad at the world, but you're 100 pounds overweight, if you're mad at the world for what it's doing to your business and you haven't learned lessons to make your business bulletproof, Right? There's a whole list of things. If over the last two years, you haven't realized the importance of your relationships with your spouse and your kids from being home and realize that we could all be dead tomorrow to make a change, then I don't know what is going to cause you to make a change except the fact that, you know, often it's the, it's the fear of pain that causes us to make a change more than the pursuit of happiness, right? We think that the cost of making the change is going to be bigger than the pain it causes now. So often it causes that infrastructural rattling event. I mean, people could be dying around you, but until it affects you, you're not gonna make a change. And even then only a fraction of the people do. So, um, you know, clearing out that clap, crap, clearing out those negative beliefs. Uh, the, the, the subtitle of my book is Escape Your Comfort Zone of Misery because comfort is a killer. And I'm not saying, I'm not giving into the, you see a lot of this on LinkedIn and Instagram or whatever else, struggle porn. You're not successful unless you struggle. Oh, you've got to go through pain. You don't have to do that. I'm a big fan of flow, but to get there, you've got to define where you go and then flow like water to get there. But to do that, you have to let go. And to let go, you got to get back to zero and zero out those limiting beliefs, those negative beliefs, that scarcity programming that's been programmed into your mind since you were one years old by, by your parents, maybe by the church pulpit, right? By people around you, by politicians, et cetera. There's a couple of things I wanted to get into, but uh, I watched a video 
And I started shaking my fist at your video and I wanted to argue with you. <laughs> I mean, dude, I wanted to argue with you because I was about to defend how I do all this stuff. And then I realized that you were right and it really pissed me off. <laughs> so I want you to talk about, because this is really important for our store owners. And, uh, you know, I want our store owners to get a lot out of this. This is the reason I do this. But, uh, you know, we have uh, wholesale reps that we've attracted by accident. And, and these guys are all in business for themselves too. So talk about this. This this myth and this tightrope that we walk with life balance and drive ourselves crazy and in a better way of of kind of looking at it. Yeah. So so which video? Because there was another one you were going to argue with. I think that was about the Simon Sinek thing, right? I I wanted to go at you with Simon, and then I'm like, <laughs> dang, I hate this. <laughs> well, yeah. So so work life balance. If you're someone who's seeking work life balance who wants work-life balance, who wakes up on the Monday morning and is like, I got a case of the Mondays. I wish I could have work-life balance. What I invite you to do, what I urge you to do is take that term work-life balance, take it in your head, maybe write it down on a piece of paper, then flush that piece of paper down the toilet, throw it out the window, burn it, uh, whatever, okay? Because work-life balance as a term is stupidity, okay? It assumes that there's work over here and life over here, there's just life. There's just life. And we get in trouble when we try to separate those things. In fact, we get into trouble when we try to separate ourselves from other people, ourselves from nature, ourselves from the universe. But when you try to separate work from life, that doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, when I do, uh, I'll, I'll, I'm, when I do uh, presentations on this, I'll have one picture and it's of a seesaw or a teeter-totter, whatever you call it, wherever you're at in the world, right? And it's like, some people look at it, it's like, okay, I'm going to put everything into work. You know, and then and then ignore what your relationships and your self care. Or I also have another picture of someone going over the, like the Grand Canyon on a tightrope, and it's like I'm trying to balance. I'm trying to balance. I'm not. I'm trying not to fall off and die. And so here's how a lot of people go at work life balance. They say, "Well, you know what? I'm working on this project, and it's only going to be two or three weeks. So I'm going to put my head down. And yeah, you know what? I got to sacrifice." I'm going to ignore my wife, my husband, my spouse, my significant other, my kids. But you know what? At the end of two or three weeks, it's all going to balance out. I'm not going to work out. I'm not going to do it. But at the end of two weeks, I'll eat a salad. I'll go for an extra walk. I'll come home early and see my family, right? Now, if that happens, which is a big if, what happens most of the time is that two to three weeks turns into two to three months, turns into six months, turns into a year, turns into five years. And people are going to argue with me. And if you want to argue with me, that's fine. But maybe this doesn't apply to you, but it applies to so many people. When I shut down my agency, I had so many clients who said, I wish I could do what you did. Yeah, I hate my job, but I just got to do it for another five or 10 years. And then it's all going to balance out. Or you, you go on the 65-year plan. No, no, no. It's going to balance out when I retire at 65. Then I'll go on a cruise. Then I'll do these things, right? And so what we do is we look at work-life balance as a way to wait instead of live. So we spend our lives waiting instead of living. You're on that 65-year plan just in my family. 64 to 66, 67 years old. Heart attack, knee replacement, stroke, prostate cancer, 
bladder cancer. So all those plans you had, you spent it waiting. There's no guarantee that you're going to be alive at 65 or healthy at 65. There's no guarantee that you and I aren't going to get hit by a bus this afternoon. And, you know, the other day I shared an old Buddhist story, a Zen story about this guy who's in a field and there's a tiger and he sees a tiger. So he starts running and he comes on a cliff and he's like, oh my gosh, but he sees a vine. So he goes over the cliff on the vine and he's climbing down, looks down. He's like, oh my gosh, there's a tiger at the bottom. There's a tiger up top. There's a tiger at the bottom. And all of a sudden two rats come out and start gnawing the vine. And he's like, oh my gosh. Just then he looks and he sees a strawberry. And ah, he takes a deep breath, reaches out, grabs a strawberry, eats it and says, that tastes really good. Now, I share that story because the tiger up top is the past, and it's so easy for us to marinate in the past. And when I ask people, I do sales calls every day, and I say, what's your biggest challenge? And instead of their challenge going forward, they talk about things that happened five years ago. Or it's Saturday, and it's ruined. My weekend is ruined. Why? Because I'm thinking about Monday, and I'm thinking about Tuesday. That tiger at the bottom is the future. The rats gnawing it, guess what that is? It's Afghanistan, it's Joe Biden or Trump or whatever is happening in the day because you got Fox Business and the Weather Channel and whatever else in the background and it's that noise and it's panicking you. So not only are you worried about the rats, you're worried about below, you're worried about the strawberry is the present. There is no past, there is no future, there's right now. And a big part of anxiety is us marinating in the BS of the past or marinating in a fear of the future. And so we don't act about what's going on right now. And so, you know, that work-life balance, right? We sit there thinking about the future, thinking about the past. And then you go to your kid's soccer game on a Saturday or the recital on a Thursday night, and you're not mentally present because you're thinking about everything else. And then your kids get to be 18 and they go off to college. You're like, where did the time go? I'll tell you where the time went. It went you worrying about the tiger up top and the tiger at the bottom and the news. And it was all more important because it was your choice whether you want to believe it or not. To be present takes radical responsibility to tune out the noise. And if you're someone who sits here and says, oh, no, but you don't know what it's like. I had trauma. Guess what? Every single person has trauma. And I know in this social media society, right, it's, 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 we all have to compare ourselves to everyone else. And if you want to do that, you're not going to be present. And if you want to do that, you're going to have what's called imposter syndrome. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. Don't give a shit about anyone else. Excuse me. I'm sorry if, I, if I'm not allowed to, to, to drop a, a word there. But I've, I've done it before, Kurt. There you go. And uh, Chris will edit it out. And, uh, and it's your choice. You can choose not to do that. But guess what? Going back to the, the programming, your conscious mind is responsible for 5% of your daily activities, your mindset, everything. Your subconscious, which is all the programming and the memories, 95%. Now, some of that's not bad, right? If you go for a walk down the street, you're not consciously saying right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. You and I are both breathing. That's not us telling ourselves to breathe. But if you consciously say, I'm going to be positive this week. I'm going to be positive this week. Oh my gosh, I'm going to go out and crush it. But in the back of your head, there's not really a belief that you're actually gonna do it and you're worried and you're scared. Your 5% of the conscious, which is like, hey, let's go rah, rah, let's go get it, is fighting the 95%. You're fighting a losing battle. And so if you're someone who says, you know, work-life balance, Kurt, it's easy for you to say, it's not really easy for me to say, I got four kids, I have a wife, I shut down my business, why? Because the pain got so bad 
that I took all that subconscious programming and I flushed it down the toilet because I didn't want to die. It was 60 pounds heavier, prescription drugs. I wasn't being an epic husband, epic dad. And I said, enough. And that was a case where the money wasn't bringing me happiness because it was exacerbating more of who I was. And I wasn't that person that I wanted to be. So it was like the red skull that I mentioned earlier, the super serum, right? I had to go back to zero so I can make myself more like a, a Captain America for my family, myself, and, and the people around me. One of the things that I constantly say to my dealers, don't borrow trouble. Don't borrow trouble. Don't poison your mind. Don't watch the news any more than you have to. And you'll realize that you really don't need it. Don't just watch examine what you're putting into your mind. And if you're consuming vast amounts of social media and you are watching your output and your output is angry, stop what you're doing. Just, just change it. And I, I'm going to tell everybody here, anybody here who watches the news every day engages in social media for any significant period of time every day, you are missing out on living the kind of life that you could really live. And more so than that, you're poisoning every moment of every day and you're not living in the present moment. You're living in someone else's past, which is worse than living in your own. And you're living in someone else's future, which is way worse depending on what side. And it doesn't even matter because they're probably both wrong and you guys are willing to follow somebody over the cliff over it. But that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> anyway, don't borrow trouble. Turn off the noise. And I want to go back to this thing about, you know, somebody saying, you know what? I was told to be positive. I I'm positive. No, no, no. What you need to do, this is what you need to do. Clear out the cobwebs, clear out the old programming, focus, and start acting in a different way. And then you'll smile. Then you have a reason to smile. So what I always say is give yourself a reason to smile. And it doesn't have to be, this is what we do to ourselves. And everybody, especially if you're an A personality, you want to take this huge quantum leap, right? Just baby steps. One step, one of the smartest guys I ever met in my life, he said, Pete, it's not that hard. He goes, all you got to do is have a game plan, identify your strengths, your weaknesses, threats, and opportunities, SWOT analysis, oldest analysis in the book. I thought it was revolutionary. When I heard it, I thought, wow. Anyway, and just take one little step at a time. Stop trying to make the step so big and so burdensome that if you fall or you slip, you're like crushed. No, just one little step in the right direction. And for instance, if it's your health, just get enough water in, crowds out a lot of the junk. Instead of saying, I can't have sugar, I can't have sugar, I can't have sugar. No, dude, drink 100 ounces of water and you'll crowd most of the sugar out there. But when you tell yourself don't, what are you focused on? The don't thing, whatever the don't thing is, and it doesn't even matter what it is. Yeah, you know, it's in, in sales as well. And everyone's in sales. I don't care who you are. You're in sales. I got four kids. 
They're in sales. Well, they're in sales and I'm in sales to them, right? Yeah, both ways. It's, you know, when you have that, when you don't have a, when it's just positivity and a smile, but really deep down you have the anxiety and the lack of belief and all that. It's not just like metaphysical. It's that thousands of micro actions that you take every day flow from that. So you talked about LinkedIn, right? I can tell certain people that are friends of mine, I can tell when they're having a bad week or two, maybe sales-wise or at home, because there's just something a little different in their content that's getting a little beggy, right? A little jaded, right? But that's not just content. If you're on the phone with someone, if you're sitting across a desk from them in your meeting, it's vibes, right? You give off those vibes and it, it could be a tone of your voice. It could be the type of language you're using. It could even be larger, like, okay, uh, I need a sale. So I'm going to start discounting everything. I'm going to start saying these things that just make no sense and, 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 and come across as desperate. But it's, it, you can apply that to any part of your life, right? If you operate from a place of fear, if you don't truly have that belief, even if you have a smile on your face, you know, positivity without process and positivity without a calm process is like smiling while you sink and die in quicksand, right? It's like, oh, I got a smile on my face, but okay, how am I going to get out of here? I got to calm myself enough. I grew up a Notre Dame fan and I'm very frustrated with them right now. I'm not a big fan of Brian Kelly, right? But, you know, they almost lost to Toledo the other day and it's down in the closing minute, right? And and it looks like they're going to lose. And all of a sudden, Jack Cohn, their new quarterback, runs to the sideline and his fingers out. One of his fingers was like totally bent. It was totally dislocated. I mean, it was ugly. And he just runs out. And you see the coach pull it, right? Snaps it back into place. And Cohn says, okay, great. Goes back in there. Boom, touchdown. Right? He wasn't just smiling. He had a sense. He had to have a sense of abundance where the heart rate slows down. And his his ability to slow everything down, see his receivers, see the field, throw a perfect pass into the end zone. That's not just metaphysical. It's not just the power of positive thinking. It's the power of belief where you slow everything down. Because when you operate from a place of fear, like you said, your cortisol rises. I mean, right now, we have it pretty easy as a society right? I mean, the fact that you're in Ohio, I'm in Arizona, we're communicating via live. I mean, the fact that if anyone's watching this, I don't care how poor you are, if you're watching it on a cell phone, guess what? You have a cell phone, right? And so, you know, we have it so good and yet we're more stressed as a society than ever. We're more stressed than humans when we had to run away from saber-toothed tigers, right? Because we've created stress, through our gadgets and our tools and the struggle porn and the fact that you think you got to struggle and we're so worried about the meeting tomorrow and we have managers who operate out of fear. Speaking of Brian Kelly, uh, we have managers. Who, who, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. You know, we have managers who, who uh, you know, in a work from home environment, just flood us just because we have Zoom. We're going to do eight Zoom calls. We, we have so much stress and we, we turn ourselves into cortisol factories. And when that happens, you're dumber. When that happens, you're dumber. You don't see the whole field. Things don't slow down. Things come at you. So this isn't metaphysical. If you're selling, breathing through the nose, right? Having that sense of belief, putting yourself, not just worrying about that sale and over, I don't worry about overcoming objections because then I usually end up being dumb or I get uh, remorseful buyers, right? But I picture that sale happening. I'm doing a boot camp in October. And when I take, I, I take a mindful walk 
I don't put podcasts on. I just, and I think I see the room full. I just put myself in that room because I know what happens is, guess what? Your mind, in, in some respects, isn't that smart. If you put yourself in that room and put yourself in that end vision time and time again, your mind actually thinks you've already been there. So you trick your mind into thinking you've already been there. Then you don't have to worry about the steps along the way. Have a consistent process, but you do it with that sense of belief. And you're not in a constant state of fear. And, and, uh, and it can help you sales. Branding, it's something that's helped me throughout my career. I built three successful businesses, a seven-figure agency. It's something that helps me now. And so I wake up loving selling. I mean, I wake up excited. I have a couple sales calls this afternoon and I'm excited about it because I get to help people. It's not just about the money. That's wonderful. If they give me their money, then I, I give them impact in return. It's you know, money's a receipt for value given. Um, but I love it. And I know that not everyone's gonna hire me, but I don't worry about that. I focus on the end goal. The most important thing that any salesperson will ever bring to the table of selling is, is this. Do you love selling? Because if you don't love selling, there's this feeling of dread inside of you. You're projecting that. It's coming out of you. And if you love selling, if you can't believe, like, I am so lucky that I get to do this, you know, it's like being in the mob without having to kill anybody. It's unbelievable. I mean, I can't believe I get paid to do this. You have those kind of great thoughts. And then you have this great thought, man, Kurt. You're my ideal client. I know I can help you. I could help you so much. And I have this whole catalog of things in my mind that I know I can help you with. And that's what's going through my mind. There's no scarcity. There's no fear. There's no, I've got to make this sale. There's none of that. When it's just a catalog of the benefits that you can give them, this transaction is going to happen unless something is really, really messed up, which Things happen, but um, we we as people sometimes are our worst enemy, and sometimes just getting out of our way. You know, Mark Hunter has an interesting way of doing that, and that is who benefits the most from this, right? I make a commission; the commission's gone, um, but I can actually change this prospect's life forever. I can give help them create a business that is going to be more profitable, is going to require less effort once they get everything in place. And I can do all kinds of things for this customer that they don't even know about. I just need a few minutes here just to explain these things, right? I interviewed Mark. Um, it was March or April, right, right when the COVID era started. Yeah. And yeah. mine for sales had came out and we joked around. I said, did you write this knowing we were going to have a pandemic? And <laughs> I said the same thing to him. <laughs> there was someone on LinkedIn who was in a full out COVID panic early on and everything was about COVID. And you could tell he, he was a cortisol factory. And he said, for the love of God, and this is someone who said he's in sales, for the love of God, we're in a pandemic for the next 90 days, just start being human and stop selling. And my initial thought was, well, if you think selling is not human, then by all means, stop it because you're embarrassing yourself. And I asked Mark about it. 
Yeah. I said, what, what do you say to someone like that? And he said, if you have a do, if you have the ability to help someone, then you have the responsibility and the duty to help them. Now, some people may not want to be helped, and I get that. But can you imagine? I mean, what a great mindset. I mean, you sell mattresses, right? Now, someone may be watching is like, well, I, w- I don't want to sell mattresses. Okay. I think we got to get back in this society to looking at work as, as a result of our creative flow. I don't care if we, we, have a, we have a situation right now in this country where people aren't working in restaurants, people aren't working in hotels, and people will push back on me when they bring that up. And it's just about the money. So this goes back to the money thing, right? I often find that the people who often complain that rich people think about money all the time, what they don't realize is truly rich and abundant and successful people don't think about money all the time. They think about making an impact. It's the people with the scarcity mindsets who obsess about money all the time. And so if you wake up every day and your mindset is, well, today I got to call a bunch of people to beg them to reach into their pocket to give me money to buy something they may or may not want to buy. Guess what? You're not going to be successful. And by the way, life ain't going to be fun. But if you wake up saying, I get to help people today and you find out your creative flow, I don't care if you're washing dishes, selling mattresses, selling coaching, whatever it is, what a better way to live. So I just want to take that apart because I saw that comment on LinkedIn. I'm, you know, connected to you and to Mark. And uh, so I felt so sorry for, I forgot if it was a guy or a gal now, doesn't matter for whoever made that comment, because if you take this all the way to the back and you strip it down, they think they're doing something wrong. Dude, if you think you're doing something wrong, get the F out of sales. If you think you're doing something wrong, get out of sales because you're nothing more than a thug. Really? You you think sales is beating somebody up and taking their money? You think that? If you think that, please get out of sales because we don't need you in sales. And to my brothers that sell mattresses, three things impact somebody's well-being. Their nutrition, their exercise, and their rest. So guys, you basically, other than naps, you control the one-third of the three-legged stool for wellness. And there's nothing... I am cold calling right now and have you guys in one here listening. I am pumped. (laughs) Deej, anything I could do to pump you up even more than you're pumped up just makes me smile from, from, from ear to ear, dude. So I have energy, but Merck has wisdom. Yes. (laughs) The most interesting man on LinkedIn does have a lot of wisdom. That's why he's on the show. I appreciate that. And you know, there's, there's, it's your point. It's, it's, it's become fashionable on LinkedIn to bash sales. And I urge people, if they see someone bashing sales, look at what that person's selling. Usually what they're selling is videos. Don't do all that sales work. Just put videos out there. And I can't tell you the number of people. So I have the business trifecta bootcamp, which you showed on the screen. It's branding, marketing mindset, but we bring it to sales. In the end, what we teach is scripting phone conversations. And there's some people who don't want to do that because the most, like the most overused word now by entrepreneurs is funnel. 
And what they've been conditioned to believe is I can just put a red button there, hit it. I can do automation. My message sucks. I don't have an ideal client, but it doesn't matter. And the amount of people who go out and do that and then come back to me and said, I spent six months, I spent a year, I I did all these wonderful videos. It was great. But now I need to know how to sell. Right, exactly. So do I put content out on LinkedIn? Yes, I do. But I have a process to bring those people in. I don't care about the algorithm. I put it out. Hell, I schedule my content four days in advance at 6 a.m. and at 5.15 p.m. And I do that so I can limit the time I'm on social media watching everyone else's crap talking about panic (laughs) porn, right? (laughs) So I put it out there and then I have a process and I teach that process to bring those people in. Because, you know, I do believe in the law of attraction. Me too. But there's a lot of people who believe in the law of attraction who hate sales. And so they think the law of attraction is failing them. No, the law of attraction will bring people into your orbit. But if you don't have a process to reach out, shake the hand of the person in your orbit, have a meaningful conversation, bring them through that area where you can communicate your impact story, find out what they need, find out if they're an ideal client, and bring them to being paying clients then the law of attraction doesn't matter. And I know so many people who do that. There's these people in orbit. Some people you know are in your orbit. Some people you don't even know. I mean, there's so many people that will view my LinkedIn profile that never, because they're afraid, they have limiting beliefs, don't reach out. You know what I do? I call them. We get on the phone. They come to my boot camp. But there's a lot of people who don't want to do that because they've been conditioned to your point that sales is dirty, sales is ugly. And, and one final thing. Then there's the salespeople who would have you believe that being politely direct is bad. And many of those people are liars. They're liars. Why? Because they go and they have a conversation with someone and they say, oh, I'm just trying to see if we have some synergies and see what's going on. How are your kids? Well, everyone knows they don't care about your kids. They don't care about the synergies. They're trying to take a bank shot approach to making a sale. And I ask you, is that more honest than saying, hey, my name's Kurt Mercadante and I help individuals like you become more purposeful, more productive, and more prosperous. That person knows, okay, we're on a conversation. Kurt has something to offer and maybe he can help me. Now, I may say no, and then we shake hands and we go on our way. Rather than me saying, hey, what's going on? I just want to see how your kids are doing. And then I follow up with a sales email. I've just shot my authenticity and my, my integrity down the tube. So a lot of that is going on and it gives sales a bad name. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that's part of the, the, the negative subconscious programming that's out there as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. So I got to take just a minute to read something that is a layup shot for you. <laughs> so I read a chapter from my book. So my book is literally 101 chapters So for those of you who are at home, page 31, chapter 18, know your who. Successful marketers know before they can even think about creating a marketing piece or campaign, they have to invest the time and energy into creating a crystal clear picture of the person they're marketing to. Do you take the time and effort to think about your who before you map out your campaign? Most marketers and business owners don't invest the time to think about their who before they begin their marketing. And the result is their marketing is marketing that doesn't reach its potential. 
Actually, it's worse than that. It just falls flat on its face. But that's that's just me editorializing. Anyway, in the previous chapter, I showed you the power of answer the question, what's in it for me? And until you know exactly who you are trying to market to, you cannot answer this question. Before you start the next marketing effort, take some time, create a profile of the person, an avatar, commonly referred to, of who you want to respond. Where do they live? Are they married, retired, have kids, in school? What are their hopes? What are their fears? The more questions you can ask and answer and then use in your marketing, the more effective your next campaign will be. And it's really interesting um, when I was kind of going through my chapters and kind of doing like, which one am I going to pick? And I'm like, Kurt's always talking about focusing on your market and really understanding what you bring to the table and who it benefits. So I'm going to let you kind of riff on that a little bit. Yeah. If if you don't know the who, then you're selling from a place of the ego and selling from a place of I'm so wonderful. And when you do that, you verbally vomit all over your potential clients because you walk up to a potential client. You don't even know if it's a potential client. First of all, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the big part, right? You walk up to someone and says, I'm here's a warm body. I'm going to sell, I'm going to sell, sell, sell. And what you talk about is your bells, your whistles, your features, your whiz bang, your resume, your experience. And the person ends up walking away and you're like, that person doesn't know what they're missing. They need what I, what I have. (laughs) And that person who walks away is just saying, I just want to know what's in it for me. And so if you don't know your who, then you can't, you don't know what that who wants from you, not what they need, what they want from you. And if you don't know what they want from you, then you can't put together an impact message that's compelling to your ideal client. So then you verbally vomit. There's another piece of this as well, not just from a sales and a marketing standpoint, it's from a freedom standpoint. If you don't know who your who is, I define a freedom business as one that enables you to provide your unique and fulfilling impact to the clients you want to serve while empowering your freedom lifestyle. Not working with your, uh, <laughs> I love that. Not working with your ideal clients is a mental health issue. You know, the cats are nice unless they're the ones we get in our backyard here, which are our bobcats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a bobcat. He weighs about seven or eight pounds. (laughs) So I started laughing because you you, uh, anticipated my next question, which is, what is a freedom business? Dude, it's like, what am I going to do with you? So listen, this is really important. We have salespeople who are watching this, who want to know, how do I sell more? Certainly one of the ways of how you sell more is spend more time thinking about what do they want from me? And so guys, I'm going to just be really, really bold. What they should want from you, if you're selling mattresses, is they should want to wake up happy and pain-free. Now, You're not a medical doctor and you're not a miracle worker, but to the degree that a good supportive mattress could help them, you can help them wake up happy and pain-free. Now, 
if they're a schizophrenic with a horrible, you know, medical condition, you um, a new mattress doesn't help that, right? So let's keep it real, and and, and go into to what Kurt said, promising and over promising can be completely different things. We always have to be true to who we are and be authentic. And just think about this. When you're selling, I don't know if you're closer to your mother or your father. Just imagine your mother or your father on your shoulder watching what you're doing. Are you making them proud? Are they proud of how you're conducting your affairs? Are they, would they be proud of you? And if you are saying things that you would not be proud to say in front of your mom and your dad, don't say those things. Sorry for beating the heck out of the obvious. Listen, I'm very interested. What are you doing in October with this business trifecta boot camp? I want to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So it's two days. It's no frills. It's not a retreat. It's no BS. It's at the Spring Hill Suites right near the Orlando airport because you get there and we get to work over two days. We get into who is your ideal client. We get in deeper than most people do. I have five pages of questions. I have a client who said, "You, Kurt, you said you were thorough with this stuff, but this is like psychic hotline stuff, right? <laughs> because we get into who is the person, all sales. I don't care who it is, what you're selling. Take that term B2B, take the term B2C, flush it down the toilet. All sales is person to person. I had a seven-figure agency, right? I would go into a trade association or a company Guess what? I wasn't selling to that company. There was a person on the other side of the desk. Now, for right or for wrong, people hire based on relationships. So we get into clear who is that person. We reverse engineer it. What do your ideal clients want? We put together an impact message. And then we put together a process for you to communicate that message on a regular basis. We get into scripting those conversations. I show you how to use LinkedIn to generate new revenue. Most people are wrong. I've had people who've been in sales for 25 years who said LinkedIn and Sales Navigator doesn't work. I show them how it works. And they're like, holy shit. If I had known that, I would convert more sales. And the third of the trifecta is mindset. But again, it's not rah-rah. It's not motivation. It's building a process-oriented mindset where every day the Buddhists have a saying, Chop wood, carry water. Chop wood, carry water. You wake up, you don't have to think because you have your process, you have your call sheet, you, you know what content you're going to produce, and you do that every day. So you don't have to stress every day. So it's October 28th, 29th. If you go to KurtMercadante.com, the link uh, is actually on the link here, the Business Trifecta Bootcamp. It's also up on my, on my, um, on my, uh, my LinkedIn profile. But we get to work. We have seats available. We have people from we have people flying in from California, driving in from North Carolina, coming from Atlanta. We have coaches, consultants, I have marketing agency owners coming in. We have a wide variety of people, but we show you how to how to build that. One thing I want to go back to that that's very pertinent to this boot camp, because I quote him is Victor Antonio. When I had him on my show the first time, he said, Listen, you don't have to love what you sell. A lot of people think I gotta love what I sell. I said, no, you don't. What you have to love is the impact it has on your customers. I don't have to love a comb, right, for my hair. But if I love that impact that comb has on my customers, I mean, you sell mattresses. I've had back issues for about 15 years, right, due to stupidity when I was like in my teens. A mattress has a huge impact on my quality of life because we're staying in Airbnbs. I've had some crappy mattresses. 
And I spent a lot of extra money on chiropractors <laughs> that month. Yeah. Right? yeah. So love the awesome. impact that it provides otherwise and whatever it is you sell and find that impact. Again, I don't care if you're washing dishes, if you're a waiter or a waitress, if you're doing customer service at a hotel, look at the people you're serving, find out who that who is, what's the impact they want, how you can benefit them. If you don't love that impact, then go sell something else, right? But find that. You have that sense of freedom. You have that sense of fulfillment. It's going to make you a better salesperson. We get into all that and more October 28th, 29th in Orlando. We're live. We're not canceling. Florida's not closing. We're having it there. It's right by the airport. Fly in, drive in. We'll get to work. So is it possible for one of my store owners who literally has a business that is a chain around his arm, around his leg that he's dragging around. He or she has created, in essence, a job. Is it possible at this or in any way, shape, or form to take those shackles off and to recreate a business where there's an existing business and to make it a freedom business. Yes, absolutely. It of course depends on each person, but I'll go back. I worked in politics. I've worked at the County level, the state level. I've worked on Capitol Hill. And one of the things that they do in government and some big corporations do this as well, is that when it comes to budgeting, they just base their budget for next year on what was spent the year before. <laughs> right. And that's how we end up with ballooning budgets that are inefficient. I'm a huge fan, and, and the governor of Texas did this maybe 10 years ago uh, or more, called zero-based budgeting, where he went back and said, listen, we don't have as much money in the kitty, so here's the deal. Zero out your budgets. You have to start from zero. And because of lack of money coming in, it was around the housing crisis, right? You build it up from zero. It's wonderful. You be as creative as you want to build up your budget, but it can only be 80% of what it was last year. Right now, that's a budgeting piece. But if you want to zero it out and you want to start over, and you want to build that freedom business again, it's clearing out those cobwebs, but you got to start from zero. Start from zero as if the last 20 years of crap hasn't happened. Right. And you build up from zero. And so you start from there with the end in mind. And I ask people, what would you do if you could not fail? What kind of business would you have? What kind of business that enables alignment between your relationships, your self-care, and your work? What does that look like? Let's get really clear. I want you to put yourself in there as if you've already built that business. Now, get rid of the negative and limiting beliefs. Envision it. Yeah, okay, great. My business would be this. It would enable me to, to have more time and this. And here's all the crap that's bothering me now. And I'm not going to let that bother me because here's what I want. Right? You put yourself there. You, you just put that on paper. You put whatever flows out of your mind. Someone in my boot camp says, I feel like it was a fire hose. Once I cleared out the crap, it was a fire. I said, great. That's, that's emotion coming out, how you want your life, how you want your business to be. Put that on paper. Then take all those things, start listing them out and say, okay, I want it to be like this, but I have these three challenges. Now, there's, you're either going to turn those challenges into excuses or you're going to turn them into outcomes to be achieved. So you put yourself in that end, like in the old days where you had to put a pin in a map because we couldn't cheat with GPS. You put that pin in the map for the way you want it to build. You don't worry about what you've done. I can't do it because this is the, remember, don't marinate in the past. You put the pin in the map. 
Then you start reverse engineering it. You put those milestones, those, the gas stops, the rest stops along the way, and you turn those challenges into outcomes to be achieved. But you got to clearly define it. Doesn't mean you got to stop and shut down tomorrow. I did it because, but, but I don't recommend that necessarily unless it's so toxic that it's killing you. Yep. Yep. Well, I asked you for one way to clear out negativity. You gave me three. Write down <laughs> negative and limited beliefs. What would you do if you couldn't fail? Ask that question of yourself and check out the emotional freedom technique. Um, we've talked about the myth of life balance and how alignment is a better way to go. Um, we've talked about zeroing out all the old crap and how positivity simply by itself isn't enough to achieve success, any success, no matter how you, um, uh, how you define that. We've talked about sales. We've talked about branding. We've talked about a freedom business. Um, we talked about how you walked away from your business. And, and am I correct that you walked away from your business because you basically had created your own prison? Is, is that how you felt at the time? Yeah. I mean, I was having anxiety attacks so bad that I had to tell my wife to get the kids out of the house. Um, like curling up in the fetal position. And then I thought it was a medical issue and they gave me drugs that made me worse and made me think I was going crazy. I was 60 pounds heavier. I couldn't jog down the block. I mean, it was, it was bad. And I just, Hey, I don't want to die. I don't want to lose my family. And so I didn't sell it because I also came to realize that I had built the business around me. It was not scalable. So to get in a place that was sellable, it would take another three, four years and I said, I, I don't want to do that. It's just not worth it to me anymore. And some people are like, what did you do? Oh, you're so stupid. Why didn't you do this? People who've been there, people who are, are backed against the wall and know that the only thing to do is to jump off the Titanic without a life preserver, they'll know, they know. When you hit that wall, you know. And I hit that wall. And guess what? The last four years have been the most challenging of my life, but they have been the most fun, the most rewarding and um, it's, it's my freedom is not tied to a dollar amount in my bank account, but money isn't bad. And, and so finding that balance where that mindset, your life is not dependent upon material goods. Your meaning isn't wrapped around a car or a house or something. Because guess what? As we learned in March of last year, and we're still learning, if your meaning is timed around stuff, other people can take your stuff away. And, and it's happening more so. So if you make yourself bulletproof that no matter what they do in DC or in your state capital or the local business, right? If you make yourself healthily detached, <laughs> you become bulletproof and you realize that your happiness is within rather than just tied to my favorite restaurant is closed, right? I mean, in, in Charleston, they shut down the beaches and the parks. That made me so mad. And what I have to realize is, you know what? I just have to live my own life. I don't support them closing down the beaches and the parks, but guess what? Maybe I'm just going to go there anyways. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm going to travel somewhere else where I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And you did that. So yeah. um, anybody that wants to get a hold of Kurt, <laughs> well, one easy way is go to kurtzblog.com. It's easier than spelling my last name. Okay. You can get a hold of me there. You could subscribe to my blog. There it's really go. easy to get a hold of me. Um, 
I'll give you, I'll give anyone watching a number, 928-275-1511, 928-275-1511. I'm not afraid of using the phone. I'm not afraid of actually having conversations with humans. So text me, call me, um, and we can chat. That's awesome. Kurt, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom with us. You know, it's hard to believe that, you know, a few years ago you were having problems with anxiety. You look, you look like you're the picture of health right now. And uh, you inspired me to actually take a walk today. And I feel a hundred percent better after I did my almost three mile walk. And I'm looking forward to some more walks very soon. Well, thank you, Pete. It's been an honor and a privilege and a pleasure and just a fun time to be on the show today. So thank you. No, thank you. Take care. Have a great day. Thank you too.